Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about that time when every person on Earth was an ancestor to every person alive today, and why evolution doesn't have just one direction. We'll also answer a listener question about whether facial expressions are universal. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Lots of people can trace their ancestry many generations back. But how far back would you have to go before you found one ancestor who was related to everyone alive today? A million years? A billion? Try 3,500 years ago. How can that be? Well, the math gets a little tricky, but the basic idea is simple. You are one person. You have two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, Take that same pattern back 33 generations, and you'd expect to be the direct descendant of more than 8 billion people. That's the power of exponential growth, baby. But that theoretical calculation has a big problem. There have never been 8 billion people on Earth at the same time. The entire global population 33 generations back was about 300 million. That's a measly 4% of the ancestors you supposedly had alive at the time. So what's the deal? It turns out that you have a bunch of ancestors who you're related to in multiple ways. Maybe your great-great-great-great-grandmother on your grandfather's side was also your great-great-great-aunt and was also your great-great-great-grandmother on your great-grandmother's side. In the words of a researcher who studied this question, humanity is, quote, incredibly inbred, end quote. So inbred that every single one of us is the direct descendant of a single person who lived between 1400 BC and 55 AD. That person is a great, 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 But the good news is that we're all cousins. Woohoo! Something even more interesting happens if we go back a bit further in time. See, that person I was just talking about is our most recent common ancestor. That means that all of their ancestors are also our common ancestors. When mathematicians started thinking about that family tree, they discovered something fascinating. At some point between about 5000 BC and 2000 BC, Every person alive at the time fell into one of two categories. Either their lineage would eventually die out, leaving them with no living descendants today, or they would become an ancestor common to everyone alive today. If their line continued to the present, it means that every single person on Earth, from Shanghai to Chicago to Sao Paulo, is their great 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 grandchild. None of this is intuitive, but it is important. We're all one big human family, even if we don't, you know, always act like it. That's right, cuz. <laughs> My brother from another ancestor. <laughs> there you go. In everyday language, the words evolution and progress and improvement, they all mean pretty much the same thing, right? Well, when it comes to biological evolution, things don't always work that way. It's just as possible for an organism to evolve new features and abilities as it is for an organism to lose them. 
That's what some people call reverse or regressive evolution. You probably shouldn't think of it that way, though. And I'm going to tell you why. See, by definition, any change in the genes of a group of organisms is evolution, for better or for worse. The idea that lungs are better than gills or opposable thumbs are better than paws comes from centuries-old beliefs about humans being the pinnacle of evolution. But the truth is that we're just one result of millions of adaptations that help organisms survive their environments to bear offspring. If circumstances make it so an organism with flippers produces more children than one with feet, that organism's population thrives. Match point evolution. And maybe the most obvious example of so-called regressive evolution is the penguin. If you go back far enough in the penguin's evolutionary tree, you'll find a bird that can fly. Fossil evidence shows that penguins lost the ability to fly more than 60 million years ago, and recent studies point to why. As their wings became more efficient tools when diving for prey, they became less efficient at getting them off the ground. Evolution always comes at a cost. You can be good at swimming, you can be good at flying, but you usually can't be both. Still, the inability to fly opened the door to other adaptations. Penguins got bigger, which made them better at withstanding the cold, and their bones got denser, which kept them from immediately floating to the water's surface. Penguins didn't devolve, they just got really good at what they do best. And there are plenty of other examples, like snakes once had legs, for instance, and birds once had teeth. But most surprising might be the fact that the whale's ancestors started in the sea, evolved legs and walked on land, then went back into the water and lost them again. At each step in the evolutionary chain, these unique adaptations helped the organisms eat more, live longer, and have more babies. So think about it this way. Whales share an evolutionary ancestor with the hippo, which kept its legs. Watching the way each live in their respective environments, you would never say the hippo is more evolved than the whale, would you? I sure hope not. There's no board game called Hungry Hungry Whales. I mean, there should be. That's true. <laughs> we got a voicemail. Have a listen. Hey, this is Jared out of Vancouver, Canada. Question. I've always learned that human facial features like smiling or something that's universal. But recently, I've also heard that maybe there are some other cultures where a smile could mean something else, like anger. Uh, so my question is, is our facial features universal? Is it part of our DNA, or is it learned? And does a smile possibly mean something else to somebody else in the world? Thanks. You guys are great. Great question, Jared. In fact, scientists have been wondering that very thing for more than a century, even back to Darwin's time. The first big answer came in 1971 from psychologist Paul Ekman. He visited isolated cultures like those in Papua New Guinea to find out. He would tell his participants a story, show them pictures of Westerners with different facial expressions, then ask them to choose the emotion appropriate to the story. His results seem to demonstrate that, yes, facial expressions are universal. From happiness to anger, people in these isolated cultures saw each face as expressing the same emotion as Westerners did. That research is now almost universally accepted, 
and can be found everywhere from college textbooks to those how are you feeling posters in kindergarten classrooms. But that's not the end of the story. In 2011, psychologist Carlos Crivelli and anthropologist Sergio Harillo also visited an isolated culture in the same region, but they stayed there. They learned the language, took clan names, and embedded themselves in the local culture. And when they performed a similar experiment with their new friends, the results were more mixed. The participants matched a smiling face to happiness almost every time. But they couldn't agree on which emotion was conveyed by a scowl, a scrunched nose, a pout, or a neutral expression. But they did agree on one. A wide-eyed, gasping face, one Westerners would associate with fear, was almost always associated with anger. That's far from the end of this debate, and more research is sure to come. But you might notice one thing that's similar in both studies. A smile always means happiness. There's more to that story, too. Studies have found that even if a smile is happy around the world, different cultures have different opinions of smiling people. And they're not all good. In places like Russia, Iran, Japan, and India, a smiling person is seen as unintelligent. And in cultures with more corruption, a smiling person is seen as less trustworthy. So, like many things in human behavior, this one doesn't have a simple answer. But one thing's for sure. If you're going to smile in a foreign country, read up on the local culture first. Thanks for your question, Jared. If you have a question, send an email or a voice recording to curiosity at discovery.com or leave us a voicemail like Jared did at 312-596-5208. Ashley, we have a lot coming up on Curiosity Daily next week. So uh, how about a sneak preview? All right. Next week, you'll learn about how you can measure the age of dinosaur bones, kind of like you measure the age of trees, that time people panicked about electricity in the 1800s, where we got the names of our planets, how quickly people's brains adapted to having a robotic third thumb, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that to find the most recent common ancestor of everyone alive today, you only have to go back 3,500 years. And if you go back even earlier... You get to a point where everyone alive then was also the ancestor to everyone alive today, as long as their family line didn't die out. Cousin Squad. See, this is why I take ancestor results with a grain of salt. Like once you go back enough generations, that ancestor is also the ancestor of a whole lot of people, you know, you know, it's like I totally understand why it's cool to learn about that stuff. But for me, I don't know. I just can't. I can't suspend my disbelief, Cody. It's not your cup of cousin tea. <laughs> Is cousin tea a thing? It's not your cup of auntie. Ah, uh, that's good. I like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned that there's no such thing as reverse evolution. By definition, any change in the genes of a group of organisms is evolution, for better or for worse. Our ideas about what's more evolved are just social constructs. Seriously. But all evolution cares about are traits that make an animal better at surviving. That could mean losing the ability to fly like the penguin or leaving the ocean to walk on land only to be like, mm, I don't like this anymore and return to the ocean later like the whale. So what you're saying is, hear me out, in the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is a good movie, unironically, don't at me. When Koopa makes his henchmen de-evolve into Goombas, you're saying that's not scientifically accurate? 
I mean, I would never argue with the Mario movie. I mean, clearly that's a documentary. I just, you know, I think maybe we need to think about things like that. Yes. And for a more relatable analogy, I think we all can agree that when you evolve Eevee, it makes Eevee a lot less cute. That is Pokemon number 133. Don't worry about it. So relatable. I'm nothing if not relatable. Hey, guess what else we learned? It's that facial expressions are probably not universal. Well, at least not all of them. At least one study suggests that the expression Westerners interpret as fear means anger in other cultures. A smile seems to universally signify happiness, but if you smile in some countries, like Russia or India, you might come off as stupid. I've heard this a lot, that smiling can make you look really stupid in some cultures, and as someone who smiles a lot, I'm just, I'm so self-conscious of this. And I feel like there might be an analog to our voices, too, because sometimes one of the reviews we'll get is that we are too enthusiastic. And, you know, maybe those people have different cultural beliefs about a smiling voice. Oh, maybe they do. I mean, honestly, Cody, I don't think they do. I think they just don't like us. But maybe. (laughs) Sure. I get it. Look, sorry for trying to make quantum physics a little more energetic, okay? (laughs) You know, I'm sorry. I'm the bad guy. That's fine. (laughs) Everybody who's sticking around, I think, likes us for it. So I'm fine. Yeah. The writer for today's first story was Grant Curran. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer on today's episode. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. Be like Ashley and me. And smile like you mean it. So many pop references I do not get. What? Well, in that case, have a killer weekend. Because that was the killers. Got it. Then join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.